Considering the subject matter of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, the hosts recommend using discretion when allowing anyone under the age of 17 to listen. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, Rick and Stephen welcome writer and director Tony H. Cadwell to discuss his new documentary on the haunted Grand Old Lady Hotel, titled Balsam, a paranormal investigation, starring Kane Hodder. Right now on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Hi, awesome. It's big like the Beastie Boys and kick it. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. We are your hosts, paranormal investigators and ghost hunters, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. Hey, Stephen, how's it going, buddy? It is fantastic. You know, man, it, it's I it's always you. good to be sitting on the throne here, you know, mm-hmm. with, across from you doing this show. This is literally like a, a highlight of my week is doing this show with you. But oh, that's really that, sweet. just let it be. Just let it be. Don't really dwell on gross, it. but don't yeah, dwell gross, on it. But, uh, but something <laughs> amazing happened this morning, man. Because you know, I, I okay. lose, I lose faith in humanity like daily. Right. And I, I go, I, I'm running out, man. I'm running into town to uh, get my wife some breakfast. Mm-hmm. And as I pull up to pay for said breakfast, the the little geeky kid says, "Hey, the." The people in front of you, um, they paid for yours. And I've never, I've heard stories of this, but I've never had this happen to me. And I was like, really? That is super awesome. I was like, um, and then I kind of looked to see if there was somebody behind me. I said, well, let me get the people behind me. So I paid for the people behind me. And then, of course, the little geeky kid's like, we're starting a little train. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm going up to the next window. You know, he's, yeah, (laughs) but. Anyways, I just thought that was so awesome. I couldn't get home, wait to get home and tell my wife. I'm like, man, you know, the people in front of me don't know me from Adam, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and paid for our breakfast. So I, in turn, paid for the people behind me. And I w- and in my mind, I just would love to think that they did the same, you know, and it just kept going. Uh, it's awesome, yeah. man, because like I just posted it on social media, people need this kind of stuff right now. The, you know, the way things have been going in our world, man. It's yeah, we feeling. really do. I mean, it. Yeah, oh, sorry, interrupted you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Story's over. Oh, okay. But yeah, you know, you're right because it's like it's you hear every day. You hear about disease or warfare or conflict or how divided we are in this country, and it's like, I, I me personally, me, I just I refuse to be a part of all of that. You know what I'm saying? Because I would much rather be a good person. And just be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I agree, man. So with that being said, I've got another story for you. Yeah, and you said something creepy, right? Yeah, it, well, it, it's creepy, but it, I mean, but it's this is a true story. And and there's so many different ways it could, it could have went. But okay. I'm coming home the other night, okay? And, you know, it gets dark early. It's dark at, or I don't know if you know. You know here, it's dark by 5 o'clock. So, oh, by, here, by like 30 30 here, I love it. Okay, so. Oh, I love it. Anyway, I'm coming home, and I'm getting into town. And there's this strip in town, like, where you've got a few businesses. 
Then it's dark. Then there's a few more businesses. Mm -hmm. Then it's dark. So I'm driving. And thank whoever, the powers that be, that I didn't take one second to adjust the radio, to look at my cell phone. Just, just, oh my God, dude. I had to pull over after what happened happened. I'm driving. Okay, Okay, I'm driving. Dude, it's giving me, my. I've got goosebumps all up and down my arm. Walking. It's quite a buildup. Walking in the middle of my lane. Okay, there's two lanes. I'm in the right one. Okay. Walking in the middle of my lane is this dude. Okay, and the Mm -hmm. only way I can describe his jacket was bright orange, and it looked just like the one Costanza wore. In that episode where he knocks all the liquor bottles all over and breaks them. <laughs> the Gore-Tex. We were just watching that one. Okay, so yeah. he's wearing this bright orange jacket in the middle of the road walking towards traffic. Rick, I shit you not. I, as soon as I came up on him, yeah, I was going 35 because I was in town. I jerked <laughs> to the left. If there would have been somebody to the side of me, bam, there would have been an accident. Okay, but I yeah. was so close to this guy at night with my headlights hitting him could tell he was Hispanic. Okay. That's how much detail I got. Okay. That's how close I was. So I jerk over. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, and I'm like trying to look back and I I pull up to the next business, which was a Walgreens and I pulled over and dude, my heart's just like, I almost plowed through this dude. Almost. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, is this guy like cracked out to be walking in the Mm -hmm. middle of the road towards traffic? Is he mentally ill? You know, like he should not be out or, or is he suicidal? All of these things are going through my head. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then after I calmed down, I went behind Walgreens and there's a back road that would bring me right back out to about where it happened. So I came out and I'm looking and this, this, this dude is nowhere to be found. Now Whoa. I'm not saying that was paranormal or anything like that. I'm not even leaning towards that at all. I'm just saying, dude, this was a close call, man. And it, it, it eats me alive wondering why that guy was walking down the middle of the road straight towards traffic. So you're 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 going to be like uh, Giorgio Sukalos, and I'm not saying it was aliens. I don't know what to say. It was because it, I I have seen apparitions, man, and they never sure. look completely solid body, full detail like that. You know, I've I mm-hmm, what I have right. seen has been more shadow oriented. You know, so mm-hmm. this was of great detail. And man, that has bothered okay. me all week. Like I even told my wife when I got home, I'm like, if you see something tonight on social media or in the news tomorrow that some guy got hit, I know who that is. <laughs> because I mean, it's whew, that was just one of those a, a life changing event for both of us in a split second. Sure, you know well, that's nothing. I mean, that's like yeah, that, but that that's like driving in. Uh, in the Lakeview neighborhood or on Diversity Street in downtown Chicago. I mean, it's just, you know, drunken assholes at two o'clock in the morning walking down the street, pissing on everybody's building. Yeah, that's uh, that. But but really, seriously, that is a spooky, spooky story. Yeah, 
It's scary stuff, man. So we have got yes. an awesome show today. We do. Okay, thank you. We for are going to be talking. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we are going to be talking to uh, Tony Cadwell. Tony Cadwell is an independent filmmaker, producer, director, and distributor, and he is the executive producer of Balsam, a paranormal investigation starring Jason Voorhees himself, Mr. Kane Hodder. Um, you and I, we both had a chance to see this. Yes. Uh, we, 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 we got the, uh, we got the sneak peek before everybody else did. And, um, I, I liked it. I thought it was very, uh, laid back, very simple, uh, very not pretentious, but, uh, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, we're going to, you know, talk to Tony about all that later on. Yeah. I've got a lot of questions for Tony and, uh, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, I, I do. You know, my wife and I watched it together. Um, it was super mm-hmm. awesome to have that advanced screening, uh, of you know something that Kane Hodder was in you know because my, my wife had no right, clue who he right. was <laughs> and I'm like dude that's Jason <laughs> that's Jason you're not excited about this but but same with my wife man you know the the, the documentary um the, you know my wife's Native American so you know there, yeah. there's some talk of history there at this location we're not going to spoil it but there's some Native American yeah. Um, ties to it which really grabbed her and you know we watched it on our 87 inch big screen so it was like being at the theater um it it was really cool because i i loved i love reading and seeing about places that aren't household names you know exactly I, i get so sick of these tv shows and it's this asylum again it's this hospital again it's this prison again Oh, it's just all all that changes is the people doing it. You know, that's it. It's right. the same. And it's so cool to see something in my neck of the woods. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this is awesome, man, because I have been an advocate for really putting some NC locations on the map. And I'm glad Tony did that. Um, and Kane, he's just I kept I just kept looking over to my wife and saying he really seems like a very authentic dude. He just really wants to have that experience, you know, and I think there's some motive behind that, that he's not really disclosing. I think there's something personal involved with him and like it is with all of us, really. Um, But, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Kane Hodder, you know, starting from, uh, you know, about the time I was 14 till about the time I was 20. You know, it's like, oh, my God, this is a big, scary guy who who could, you know, kill you with his bare hands. Uh, The dude just seems like, like you said, a very authentic, very, very nice guy. Yeah, yeah, and I and like I said, I'm very grateful for Tony to uh, us two guys that he had uh, probably never heard of until recently. Uh, you know, letting letting us watch his. Who film. hasn't heard of us? Well, you know, I don't always go by the name Stephen, and that's probably the issue. Now, if if somebody would have said to Tony, the Gray Fox of the Paranormal, he'd be, oh, okay, that guy. Oh, you know? that's right, the self proclaimed world sexiest ghost hunter. Right. Right. Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, speaking about places that are never really heard of before in today's Ghost Watch, I'm going to be presenting the Edgewater Athletic Club, which is in the Edgewater neighborhood here on the in the north side of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is a place that that you never hear about because we do have a lot of great 
haunted places here in this in, in this town and in the surrounding areas. Um, so this is one that you that even many paranormal enthusiasts in the Chicagoland area have never even heard of before. That's awesome. Now, you know, I did want to ask you, Rick, um, and I probably sure. should have asked you this before the show. Um, so, so if not, we can just move on to talking more about me. I'm fine with that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you were. Um, <laughs> can you talk about or do you want to talk about this pretty cool investigation you're getting lined up here, man? Yes, we are um, uh, um, us at U.S. Paranormal Research, which is a new group that I'm involved in. Um, I made contact with the PR guy and manager of the Gold Star uh, Lounge, which um, it proudly calls itself Chicago's one and only dive bar. It is in the uh, Bucktown neighborhood on Diversity like Street. Where, you know, I talked about. Yes, it's a, it's a very cool place. I haven't been there in probably twenty years, but um, yeah. So I'm just waiting to hear back from uh, Mr. Simon Lamb about this, and um, you know, he's really into it, really interested. They're always very interested in finding out more about their ghosts because this is one of those legitimately haunted places that embraces their ghosts okay so as soon as we hear about him you know and as soon as we get a date i'll be able to talk about it a little bit more yes that i can't wait for but with what you said being said i have two questions okay what what has led people to believe this is like a you know awesomely haunted location and and what made you like decide, hey, I, I want to try to get into that place. Well, here, let me uh, let me look up real quick so I can, you know, I want to be able to give a, you know, a really decent rundown of um, of what's going on at the gold uh, at the Gold Star. So with the Gold Star, um, you know, with, with as with anything in the Chicago land area, gangsters and prohibition um, played a really big part of that, and. During Prohibition, it was an illegal speakeasy, which, you know, those places were, you know, dotted all over um, Lake Cook and McHenry County at that time. Um, And there have been a number of murders at the bar. Um, One of those murders uh, were between two patrons and one patron almost decapitated his combatant with a knife. I mean, almost took his head clean off, you know, so, of course, murdered him. Um there are other ghosts, three of them. Uh, patrons have reported seeing a young woman in a lime green dress in the presence of an older man in a straw hat. Um, a lot of people believe that that was a prostitute who was murdered by the man. And they usually show up in the bar area. And a third ghost that haunts the bar is believed to be a holdup guy who was killed by the owner of the bar in the entry. He tried coming in, had a gun. The owner pulled out a gun, boom, and just plugged him um what's really interesting about this is that they have not replaced the door of the bar and you can still see the bullet holes really oh my yes, god that's it's awesome. very very cool yes i have seen it myself and uh definitely it's a very very cool um hip place to go it's uh from what i understand it is it's now become very popular with the uh lgbtq community so, um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a gathering place for everybody who for people who enjoys uh, 
the history of Chicago, um, you know, with like prohibition and the speakeasies and gangsters and all that. So, yeah, I mean, as soon as I know a little bit more, uh, I'll be able to talk about this. And also, too, Simon is really into us um, putting evidence out there. So I will also be doing a write up on this. And, you know, hopefully with these investigations with this new group, you know, I'll be able to put out a sequel to Behold Shocking True Tales of Terror. That is awesome, man. When you, when you mentioned the, the, the bullet holes still being there, that reminds mm-hmm. me of literally, it's literally, it should be a museum piece, but you've heard of my Eidolon Fields investigation, that, that farmhouse and all that. Well, yes. at one, one point in history, General Custer and his men raided that house. Mm-hmm. And with on their horses <laughs> went through the front door. So imprinted, wow. imprinted in the wood at the threshold are the horseshoes from the mm-hmm. horses. And it's like, wow, you could That's take up, yes, you could take off that threshold and put it in a museum somewhere because that was General Custer raiding this house. That is that's pretty freaking awesome. Oh, that really is. It's 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 really, you know, one of the things that I love about historical research uh, is not only that kind of thing, but when you're able to put a name with the ghosts that haunt a location. And, you know, and that that's why to me it's a historical research is um, is paramount in any kind of paranormal investigation. It, it's it's good to know what it is that you're dealing with. And rarely it does happen, but it, uh, you know, it does happen. Um, whomever it is that you're dealing with. Yes. Well, look, Rick, before we take our first break here and bring on uh, a super exciting guest, Tony Cadwell, um, I do have to throw out a shameless plug. Guys, in Ooh. two weeks, in two weeks. And I know Rick is super excited. My you know ugly I am. Uh, yes, my ugly mug is going to be on Discovery Plus and the Travel Channel, December thirty first, eight p.m. You uh-huh. can watch. You can watch my old episode, Norman the Doll, which I know you've watched recently. We talked about that. Yeah, and... that guy just did not fail to really capture you. <laughs> You're far up. nerdier than that guy was. <laughs> so at eight eight p.m. on December thirty first, you can watch an old episode I did on the Travel Channel, Norman the yeah. Doll. Then at ten o'clock, ten p.m. Eastern, the uh, the I see uh, they put haunt- it on eight. Yeah, the uh, haunting season eleven debut with yours truly. Brand new episode about the most haunted restaurant in the world. So you guys are definitely definitely gonna want to check that out yeah you know i i I know i know that i give uh you know steve a lot of shit about this but uh really watch watch these episodes they're they're very very good and that's hard for me to say a haunting is good i've never really been like a huge fan i think that they should call it a demoning instead of haunting but um your your appearance was very good so i'm looking forward to this new one yeah man so with that being said we're going to take a quick break And we're bringing you Tony Cadwell and this awesome, awesome documentary when we come back. So don't go anywhere. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. 
paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. Okay, and welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. We are your hosts, uh, Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. Today joining us is Tony Cadwell. Tony is an independent film producer, director, and distributor. He directed and executive produced Balsam, a paranormal investigation starring horror icon and paranormal investigator Kane Hodder, Jason. Tony served over nine years in the United States Marine Corps as an intelligence analyst. You're not going to find a lot of that in with uh, Stephen there, Tony. Um, he owns H13 Media, a film production and distribution company. Tony Cadwell, welcome to the initiative. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, it's an honor to be on here and talk with y'all, especially after going through my experience with uh, making Balsam. I have a huge respect for everyone in the paranormal field that goes out hunting and investigating uh, paranormal things. Right. Oh, thank you very much. Um, you know, Tony, you're, you're, you're somewhat new to uh, paranormal investigation, paranormal research. Um, how did somebody like yourself get interested? I mean, you had such a, you had, you had security clearance here, intelligence analyst for the Marine Corps. First off, before you answer, thank you for your service. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I've always uh, prided myself on being a very logical person. Um, and my background as a Marine and being able to um, look at problems and analyze them from a logical standpoint, it, it, it has always served me well. And I never really gave any thought to the paranormal investigation as a subject of making a film. Uh, my passion has always been horror movies and making documentaries. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a I did a movie called Behind the Sightings, which is a found footage uh, clown movie. It's kind of like Blair Witch with clowns. Okay. And and when you're making films, you're always struggling to balance between quality and resources. And I was looking at what did I want to do next? And one of the experiences I had with Behind the Sightings was I shot the movie and gave the footage to the production company and they were in charge of the edit. So I had no creative control over the final edit of that movie. So I knew one of the things was it was very important to me to have complete control over the edit of the final film. And also a lot of things that's going on in filmmaking right now and this impacts everyone out there that's wanting to become involved in, in entertainment on the paranormal side mm -hmm. is distributors aren't paying filmmakers. They'll take your film, 
they'll put it out there. It'll appear to be successful. And then they'll send you this uh, quarterly statement if you're lucky. And it'll say that you get no money. <laughs> That's not cool. Um, hold on, what, Steven, I mean, you're a filmmaker, so I'm sure that you could speak to that a little bit. Oh, yeah. I've, he's right in what he's saying. I, I have never went into it expecting a return at all. It, it's, it's more or less a passion project for me because I am a paranormal investigator. So everything I put out is just it, the main motive is just to get out the research and let people see it, it, it on as many platforms as possible. And the last the last project I did went on Amazon Prime and I'm thinking, OK, I might might see some money on that. Uh, no. I, I mean, not not even remotely close to what I invested in it. Um, it's never going to happen. So it's just like for me, it's it's just I just want to get it out there so people can see what I do. You know, it's not necessarily to be my career, I guess. It'd be awesome if it was, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, um, for for me, it's you invest a certain amount of money and I have to recoup that money. Uh, in order to make the next project or to get investors for a project. And I had never watched a paranormal TV show. My only experience with the paranormal was growing up in a holiness church uh, as a preacher's son. And I had some experiences when I was serving in the Marine Corps. Uh, For example, Monrovia, Liberia, we did a non-combatants evacuation there back in 96 and that whole, without going into the whole long story about it, that whole community there believed heavily in the voodoo, uh, witchcraft. Uh, they called their magic juju. So that was like one of the first times that I saw a whole community of people hold this mass belief of something supernatural. And that was kind of amazing. If if you ever get the chance, Google, I know this sounds crazy. I promise I didn't make it up. Google general butt naked. Uh, that was the general <laughs> that we were That's fighting. what Steven's wife calls him. <laughs> that, that was the general we were fighting in Liberia in 96. And he was... Um, the presidential advisor to the spiritual advisor to the president Samuel Doe. He okay. he was the the witch doctor for the largest tribe there. Uh, mm-hmm. He believed he believed he was possessed by a demon, and we were fighting his, the rebels trying to protect the American embassy. And all of a sudden, peace broke out. And I'm like, why is everything peaceful? Uh, a holiness preacher conducted an exorcism on it, and he's. Joshua Bly, who is general butt naked, is now a minister preaching the gospel. So that was kind of my first introduction on a large scale of holy moly. This is, you know, there's there could be some supernatural things going on that in in the world. And then that's remarkable. I I was just going to say I was going to speak to, you know, when in in Africa, they're still uh, very tribal, but. And they they and they have those superstitions still, but they've also accepted um, Western Christianity. So you get like that mixture of those of those two in, in there. Yeah, Liberia is such a unique country because the United States and all of our wisdom. What happened is at the end of slavery, 
we decided, hey, let's give some people opportunity to go back home to Africa, where a lot of slaves originated from. But the problem was, is a lot of slaves were second, third and fourth generation slaves. So mm-hmm. they didn't know where to, where people's home were. So they just picked Liberia on the map. Liberia's flag is just like ours, red, white and blue. And they put former uh, American slaves in Liberia and set them up as a colony and paid no mind to the tribes that lived there. And that was their country. So even to this day, you have a strife between descendants of American born slaves and the tribal people that live there. It's, 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 it's a beautiful country. And now they have a lot more peaceful government than they did back in the nineties. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a weird situation. Right. That's yeah, that's remarkable. Um, um, before we touch on on balsam, I do want to touch a little bit on um, behind the sightings. Now, this this inter- now this interested me because first off, I don't like clowns. I'm not afraid of them. I just don't care for them. But what this reminded me of, this reminded me of back in the 70s and 80s here in Chicago. And I know they had the problem in, in uh, Boston as well. And I think it was in Los Angeles. Um, there were. Uh, people dressing up as clowns, like evil clowns, yeah. and appearing near schools. Um, and when any when somebody would go to investigate, these evil clowns would disappear. Personally, I think it was just a bunch of pedophiles who were, you know, do, you know, dressing up as these clowns. But is that where you base that movie off off of? Um, behind the sightings came about, I, I met a production company and they set me down for a pitch meeting of like, what kind of ideas I had for movies I wanted to make. I pitched them some higher budget ideas and then it, it, they said, do you got anything else? And so I just, I said, I got an idea for Blair Witch with clowns mm-hmm. and they bit, they bit on it. They were like, okay, we want to green like that. I was like, really? You know, you got to start off small and then work your way up. So they gave me a nice budget for it, but I was like, "Ah, it doesn't take that much to film people running around in the woods to, you know, get chased by clowns. And, you know, we shot it and I enjoyed it, but the film was shot in 2016, but it was based on the clown sightings of 2016 that we had here in North Carolina and South Carolina. And it was the same situation where people were just dressing up and, going near trailer parks, apartment buildings, and you never knew why. A couple of clowns got beat up down here. Um, it, it was just a weird, a very weird situation. And it was easy to film. Like that type of filmmaking is very easy to film if you don't buy into the Hollywood method of we need 50 people on set, you know? Right, right. You, you know what's funny, Rick, is... I did not put it together until this morning. And I have seen this film. Okay. Because, okay? you know, I watch everything horror. That is all, sure. all my wife and I do. And I have seen this film. And, and when I was doing some research on Tony, I think I was on um, IMDb. And I was like, no, no kidding. <laughs> it's like, I've actually <laughs> seen this. And I'm friends with the guy on Facebook and never knew that you were the one that did it. So that, that was pretty cool. I liked yeah. it. <laughs> I'm glad you did. It, it got mixed reviews. It's it's always hard uh, to pull off of found footage. That film I kind of felt was cursed because I lost friends over that film. Um, there was just some tragedies 
that that it just seemed like a cursed film. It was done in 2017. The picture at one point got lost because the production company uh, sent it to a post house that went out of business. And I was I was lucky about a year ago to find a copy of the completed film. Oh. Well, it'd be lucky for you, yeah. I mean, clowns are definitely, it, it's really weird because we have, uh, here we have a, um, um, a theme park called Great America. It's in Gurney. And every year, it's like they, they, they do this thing called Fright Fest. They, put, they have like zombies, they have evil clowns, they got demons, they got all of this stuff. And it's just like for the longest time there, evil clowns were huge, man. Yeah, and... It, it's it's kind of weird that I jumped from behind the sightings to balsam because I, I wanted to do another found footage movie, but everybody says you can't. You know, it's 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 difficult to do found footage because it's the easy style of filmmaking, but I also love right. documentaries. Um, I just so happened one day to, I think it was about two and a half years ago. I was sitting down just flipping through TV. You know, Stephen knows as a horror fan, you, it's like you got a million channels and there's nothing on. And <laughs> right. so, as somebody said, why don't you watch uh, this TV show called Ghost Adventures? And I'm like, eh, that ain't my thing. And I checked out the first season. And when you look at it from a production standpoint, you have three people. They're each individually wired for sound. So you don't have a sound guy. You had three cameras, so you had no crew, and they were just going to these places and and filming themselves trying to have a paranormal experience. And I was like, this looks good. Uh, I would like to do something like this. This is legit. As a horror fan, this seems scary. And then I started yeah. making calls. I started calling people, hey, do you know anybody that has any experience in producing ghost shows? And... I don't want to spoil it for people, but I talked to people that were that work on these big shows on the Discovery Channel, and I, I learned something that was shocking. I learned that it wasn't three people going around trying to film each other. It was like 50 people filming each other. They did have a sound guy. Yeah. They had craft food service. And then I learned that, um, you know, people that produce reality TV or producing these paranormal shows. You have a guy that's producing Dr. Pimple Popper one week, and then he's turning around doing a Discovery Channel paranormal show. And they, I was getting advice from film, the people in production, and they're like, oh, these are the biggest pain in the ass to film. You, you, you It's hard to, to, to get these done. But the good news is, is if you don't get nothing, you can always just like, you know, have some people running around that show the camera at the air and scream, and that's your that's that's your movie or your episode, right? Um, well, you know, I, I think that <laughs> Stephen and I we talk quite a bit about Ghost Adventures on the show. Um, neither of us are fans. Um, I will admit, I did like the first season, and then the whole demon thing kind of came in, and it was like, all right, I'm sort of done. But yeah, they really do presented like these are three dudes they're walking around this haunted place and it's like e even my own son he's 11 years old like will occasionally watch a paranormal show on tv because he, he actually said to me one time he's like dad i want to watch ghost ghost uh, ghost adventures so i can t see how not to do it was one of the most hilarious things he's ever said. But even he, but even he's like, there's no way they could possibly get that kind of a shot. There's no way they could possibly get that kind of sound. He's a smart kid for eleven. I'll tell you, Tony. I 
I and, and Rick can back me up on this is I was doing this before those shows even happened. Rick Rick can tell you this. And, and mm-hmm. my whole my whole idea was yes, the paranormal investigators they they are your film crew. They're mm-hmm. all armed with yeah. head cams, all this stuff and it and it's tedious but but the 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 clincher of it all is the guy producing it also has to know the paranormal. So that's yeah. where I came in. Okay, yes. So it now let me tell you man, it was some work. I I would have eight investigators, okay, across 8 hours. So that's 64 hours of footage to go through to whittle down into something to present to people. Yeah. You know, but it made a big impact, man. And Rick Rick will be the first to tell you that. And I was telling Rick this morning um, when we were talking about you that we need more people like you out there. Because yeah, absolutely. you could tell by watching this documentary that you haven't been tainted by the way these shows are produced. You, you know, because I've been behind the scenes of them. <laughs> I've, I've been behind the scenes of them I've been on the Travel Channel, Discovery A&E, I've seen it So It's so, because that's what I feared I was like, okay, what am I going to see When I watch this documentary And I was actually quite relieved Like this is not People running and screaming Now that can happen yeah, naturally. Yeah. It can happen But yeah. it's not as abundant As they want to um, Make you think See, um, before we go to the break, the, the only time that I've ever been in front of a camera was when I did uh, ghost tapes with um, a great filmmaker. His name's Luke, Luke Millet. And um, it was just Luke and I in these places. There was there was nobody else. And so it was it was very cool to not um, be walking over or having other people walk over us while we're, do- while we're doing it. So here's what we're going to do, Tony. We're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, we are going to definitely be talking about balsam and you working with the incredibly intimidating and i say that intimidating because he certainly does not seem that way uh, mr kane hotter so um we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break we're gonna pay some bills and uh then when we come back we're still gonna be talking to uh tony cadwell so stick around this is shadow initiative paranormal talk with steven and rick Hey, my friends, check out my good friend Chris Beck and his work at All Around Art. From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman II, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art.54. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. She's alive. And welcome back to the, the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your host, Stephen Lancaster, and myself, Rick Hale. Today, we have Tony Cadwell on the show. And Tony, 
I know you're dying talking about your to talk about your latest film, Balsam, a paranormal investigation. Now, Stephen and I both saw this. We both liked it. It was very simple, very laid back, very not pretentious. How did this come about? How did this film happen? And how did you get uh, Jason Voorhees, the man that scared the shit out of me from about the time I was 14 to 20? Well, after I'd watched that episode of Ghost Adventures and, and reached out to people uh, and learned that what we see on TV isn't real, that I had this bright idea of like, what if we really did go someplace and we we brought a crew of less than five people, maybe 10 at the most, including the, the investigators, and stayed there for a few days and investigated. So before I could like, have people put money up for me to go do this. And I put my own money up for me to go do this. I said, I, I need to know if this is real. So my idea was to, to, I researched a lot of the paranormal equipment and what I found that from the filmmaking side, if some of the equipment isn't very cinematic, um, some of the equipment is very confusing and can be misconstrued. And then some of the equipment is almost impossible to get the obvious we waited. I waited six months to get an ovulus, and uh, Bill Chapel was fortunate enough to sell me one. And he, I took that. My idea was, if Zach Bagans can go on Ghost Adventures and have an experience, then why couldn't I, taking professional equipment, go somewhere and stay and also have a paranormal experience? I mean, it should work that way, correct? Correct. So. I got off my couch, flew to Nevada, mm -hmm. went to went to the Goldfield Hotel, had it booked out to uh, spend the night there by myself, no crew. Just I'm just test footage and experimenting because I don't know how this stuff works, and I'm the type I can't take somebody else's word for it. I, I want to have an experience myself and see what's going on. Sure, and. and we get to Goldfield and they say the the owner, Red, who was alive at the time, he had fell and broke his hip. And his son said, I don't want no money of these investigators in this place. Um, so we did get to, I think it was Goldfield High School. I did stand on the porch of the Goldfield Motel. And that place is spooky, just like in the middle of the daytime. I have even, heard that. It just don't feel right there. Like, I don't know if I honestly would want to go in there and spend the night. I mean... I just won't. So we drove up to, and when I say we, it was just me and my wife. We drove up to the Clown Motel in Tonopah. And it's, you know, it's spooky because it's, it's clown themed, but because I directed behind the sightings, I like clowns. Uh, so that didn't bother me. Um, it has a graveyard right beside it in this history. So I'm sitting in the, I talked to the owner of the clown motel. He had just bought it a few months back. And mm -hmm. I said, can I sit in the lobby and run some experiments? I want to see if this place is haunted. And if you've seen the episode on ghost adventures, Zach is in the lobby and he acts like uh, one of these dummies touch him and he runs out because he has a fear of clowns. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so so i just sat there and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing but let me just try it and i think that's what a lot of people are doing now but i so i turn on the ovulus and i said is there anything in here that wants to talk to me uh you could use this device and i and when i said that it said no <laughs> it 
<laughs> I was just like, that yeah, just, that was just. And then I went into my room and I said, I, I tried the spirit box and the spirit box. I like it, but I do believe it has a, a short shelf life for me personally. If I listen to it for more than five to 10 minutes, I feel like I'm reading into it more than, 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 than needs to be. And plus I think a, a viewer on TV, if you show something for too long, you kind of lose them too. But I said, how many spirits are in this room at the Clown Motel? And both the ovulus and the spirit box said nine. So at that point, I started thinking, okay, if I can validate experiences with two or three different devices, then that's a good investigation technique. Because if spirits, who's, I mean, I don't know the rules to this. Who's to say a spirit can't talk on a spirit box and an ovulus at the same time? Or, you know, they can't communicate in multiple different ways. Sure. So I've, I also went into this knowing because I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But so when I came back, I started looking how to I don't know any investigators. I'm not in the paranormal community. I'm in the horror community. I know plenty of horror people. I, I knew people that knew Kane that made an introduction, um, but I didn't have a location. And I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and somebody asked me, like, what are you going to do for your next movie? You need to make a movie. Da, da, da. And I'm like, that's easy for y'all to say making a movie. And Stevie can attest to it. It's a pain. In the, a pain. It is a pain. It is not easy. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of, of boring things that go into filmmaking that nobody wants to talk about or care about, you know. And like he said, going over all that footage and trying to see what it is and then piecing it together. So I just said in Raleigh at an event, I said, um, and I was just talking to a friend. I said, I'd love to meet some paranormal investigators. And this guy said, these ladies just walked by. They said they, they were into the paranormal. And I met Maeve and Amanda who are in the film. They're local to North Carolina. Um, I was really felt a fortunate Maeve was on y'all's show. Her husband's a Marine or you was know, in the Marines. Allow me to just interrupt you with this. I tried, like you would not believe, to get Maeve to, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about the movie. She was a total pro, man. She never gave in. And and I, I, I can be pretty slick with that kind of thing. No, she she never, she she was a total pro. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to find them and I found some other people because anytime you have anytime you tell people, hey, I have I can put you out there on TV, you know, um, one of the platforms, Balsam is on Voodoo, V-U-D-U, which is owned by Fandango, has 60 million registered users. When you mm -hmm. tell people that a lot of people have an agenda. Um, so I actually went out with several paranormal investigators to places that I felt personally weren't haunted mm -hmm. and it never failed. Every time I would say, I think I feel something in here, even though I wasn't feeling nothing, they would all agree because they wanted to be on TV. <laughs> right. Maven and Amanda laughed at me. They were like, there's not, I don't feel nothing in here. Well, I don't know what you're feeling. And I was <laughs> like, these are the ladies I need to use in this film. Right. Um, right. And then Kane, 
you know, he gets approached for films all the time. He has his own ghost hunting team, the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. He's been sure. If if y'all are, um, he was on Ghost Adventures and he actually choked the crap out of Zach Bagans himself, um, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of investigators want to do that, but he's the only one that I've seen actually lay hands on him and do it. Good for Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I reached out. I met him and known him a little bit, but I didn't know him as good as one of my producers did and reached out. And he's like, there's some conditions. I'm like, okay. Always conditions. He's like, no faking and nothing scripted. And I was like, how can you do a paranormal investigation with a script? It ain't like I can be like action and ghosts are going to show up. I was like, we're just going to go to this place and Maeve's the one that told me about the place. Um, and I didn't believe her, to be honest with you. I was like, eh, I don't, I'm from North Carolina. I've never heard of this place. So mm -hmm. we went We went up to Waynesville, and it was just me, Maeve, and Amanda, and a real good friend of mine, Norman. And Norman's one of the producers on the film, and I've known him for over 20 years. And he, he hates being at a haunted location. Uh, okay. He... he he won't work on any more paranormal investigation movies with me. When I called him up and I said, if I want to do a horror movie, a drama, an action, he would do it. But if I say the word paranormal, he's like, nope, not going to do it. Because Balsam scared him that much. Um, just being there. And when we went up there, the when you see the beginning of the movie, you see that footage where those doors are moving. Saw that, yes. Okay, we stayed in the hotel in the off-season. There was nobody else there. And there was no there was no heating and air on there, but there was power. There was no open windows or anything in that room because they had covered all the windows with that thick plastic that you do in the mountains in the wintertime to, to insulate it. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to film a spirit box session and, and see if we could get anything going on in, in that big ballroom. And as we were filming, Maeve says, I see the doors moving. And I was like, well, let's go over to the doors. So we start going over to the doors. And it was so funny because Maeve was like, these doors shouldn't stop moving just because we're filming them. And they kept moving. And then she said, she's like, oh, there's got to be a breeze because your your logical mind is like, it's got to be an explanation. And when she right. said, she says, and it's in the movie, when she says, if you're not just the wind, make the ovulus talk. And the ovulus started talking. I was just like, this is the place. This place is that the, the chances of that happening is, is was rare to me. I think it's rare. I don't know. But I was just like, holy moly. So I called sure. And said, told Kane, we got a location. You want to come for three days? He's like, okay. And I crew, uh, it was hard to find crew. Um, some of my crew worked on Discovery Channel shows, and I had to tell them, hey, we're not, we're not doing OTFs. We're not doing uh, any second takes because they were like, oh, you know, you can get a, I was like, you can't get a second take to a paranormal experience. What am I going to, I mean, that's called faking. It is what it is. And all these shows on the Discovery Channel does it. They 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 try to get two or three takes to the investigator's reaction to a paranormal event. Right. And 
And I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Everything that you see in this is one shot take. It's, we just literally, I really didn't do anything but keep everybody on schedule and keep everybody moving around. We just roll cameras 24 seven and walk through the place running different experiments. And this is what we got. And I think it's more interesting than if you go into something with an agenda. Well, you are preaching to the choir here, my brother. So tell me, um, you know, or tell us rather, tell our listeners, um, you know, the, the history of Balsam. What makes this place so haunted? And, you know, tell us a little bit about the ghosts. Well, what I found out, it seems like with any haunted location is, one, I look at what are people trying to do with that location? And from a filmmaker standpoint, when you say, hey, I want to make a film at your location, they, there's that profit incentive there. And there's a lot of prepackaged stories that sure. are, are stories that I feel because I'm skeptical that I feel are prepackaged. So I only wanted to go in there with what I could 100 percent verify. And what I could 100 percent verify <laughs> about Balsam was that it's 112 years old. It's built in territory that was occupied by the Cherokee Indians. Mm -hmm. um, people used there's a spring in the back. We didn't never we didn't I didn't get any good footage of that to be honest with you. We didn't nothing drew us down there. Um, but people used to go down to the spring thinking it would heal them because back in the the 1800s and the 20s people would would have that feeling that if you drank from mountain springs even today people go to the mountains and they drink from mountain springs and they think it's healthy for them. Um, yeah. There was talks of murders. And I discarded that because what I wanted to do was let's just keep it like in the Marines, we have a say and it's, it's called the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Or if you're trying to be nice, keep it simple, sweetheart. I said, okay. let's just go here and see what we could get. We know, we know the facts, the bare, it's, it's like, if you're going into war, your bare minimum facts is, is 112 years old. It was Indian Native American territory. We know the Trail of Tears had to have passed there. Um, on the records of the Trail of Tears, they don't give you coordinates, so you can't say this absolutely had to go through here. But it's 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 pretty generally accepted that that area of North Carolina, there were Indian massacres and Native American massacres that took place there. Um, sure. I found some paperwork that showed, and this was stuff outside of what the hotel people were telling me. I found paperwork where they used to burn, they, they would burn down Indian villages mm -hmm. uh, because the whole goal was to get the Native Americans to go on to the Cherokee reservation, which is only 40 miles away. Um. And, and and that's what I went into it with is and I didn't really tell them because the goal wasn't to I feel like the goal on the episode. If you look at an episode, I throw Ghost Adventures, Destination Fear, all these shows, they give you a brief introduction to the history. They try to wrap it all up in a little bow where they're like, oh, this is Uncle Johnny that's haunting the house. Da, da, da. And I think that works amazing for people who are investigators trying to solve a problem. Uh, we okay. were we were more investigated into is there anything paranormal happening here? Because I feel like I lack 
the per, the professional experience to, and you, and you can't tie it up in three days either, um, to figure out exactly what's going on. I just wanted to sure. film and say, this is what we captured. And you guys decide, like, I have a theory and my theory is this. And, and, when you open when you open yourself up when you when you sit there even though it kind of some people have told me oh you sound crazy but when you sit there and you say is there anything out here that wants to talk you're opening a door and you don't know what's going to come through and the only way to 100 know what's on the other side is to go there and i'm not trying to go there so at this point, I'm just trying to capture what I can capture so that people can, one, better understand the field and that it's more than shaky camera work and running around in the dark. And two, generate a conversation. Okay, what caused those doors to move? And some people are going to say it's the wind. Some people are going to say this. Only thing I can tell you is I know what I experienced and I was scared. There was... Some people ask me, and I got the footage, did I go through those doors? Hell no. Those doors is moving on their own. Ain't no way in the world this big man is going through them doors. <laughs> you know? Um, it, it, I mean, it is what it is. Well, I got to tell you something, Tony. This is This is very refreshing, hearing this kind of thing. Because really, you know, it's like we talk on this show so much about you know, they're faking this and this can't possibly be, but, you know, here's somebody like yourself. I mean, you're, you're relatively new to this, but you bring a very um, real perspective. Like it's, it's quite obvious that you believe in keeping it real. And, you know, how do, how do you, how do you think that, how can they change that in paranormal land, as I like to call it on paranormal TV shows? Do you think it's too far gone or do you think it can be changed? Well, I can only speak from my experience on on this. And the way it breaks down is the way it seems to me. And and I encourage everybody to have an opinion based on their worldview, because I can only offer you my opinion based on the people I've talked to in my experience. But it seems like everybody's trying to be a social media influencer or they want to be a a TV show host on 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 a Discovery Channel show. Which right. is fair fair enough. I believe that if you have a goal in life and that's your goal, I want you to be successful. But what's happening when you look at the production side of things on the paranormal in the paranormal field is at the end of the day, when you do these shows, you're putting money out for a TV show. Mm-hmm. And when you put money out, you have to recoup that investment. And they're not just putting money out to make these shows. They're spending millions of dollars to make these shows. These aren't, you know, even though they edit it to make it look like one day, these guys are spending, some of them spending two, three weeks there. They're unionized, which means when you say unionized, a cameraman can make anywhere from four to eight to $1,200 a day on one of these shows. And they're probably operating ten cameras. God so, damn! I, I, need, I need to I need to learn how to operate a camera. <laughs> so when when you do, I say that when you do that, if you go to a location and nothing happens, what do you have? Mm-hmm. You have nothing, right? And 
a lot of these shows aren't prepared to walk away with nothing. I film my stuff at a budget level of if I got to dump my data cards and I have nothing, I'll move on to the next thing. And I think that's go. that's what you got to be willing to do. Um, and then the other thing is a lot of people are saying there's no money in paranormal movies. That's why you don't see many of these documentaries coming out. And I think how we turn it around is I need everybody's support and watch this. Not so that I can make money. Yeah, I need to make money to recoup the investment in this to prove to people that these types of documentaries that are reality-based, not over-dramatized, can be financially viable. And once you prove this is financially viable, then more the door will open for more people to come through. Sounds good. So you have Behind the Sightings and you have Balsam under your belt. What's next for Tony Cadwell? What's what's in your future? Um, I actually have, I'm going to let y'all, I got, I went on some more paranormal investigations and I okay. found the thing I learned with Balsam was that I, I ruined a lot of tapes trying to to give direction from behind the camera. So I jumped in front of the camera and I went to a couple of places. Well, I went to a bunch of places. Only a couple of them were haunted or had activity when I was there. Um, So I got a couple of projects that are are being edited now. I do all my own editing um, just for the fact that I know stuff isn't manipulated when I edit it. And I know how to control, you know, the product. My whole goal behind Balsam was to create something that I had control of from conception to distribution because I didn't have that with behind the sightings. I, I took the footage and gave it to somebody else and they created, or I was made to give it to somebody else and they they created the product. And it turned out fairly well, but it, did, it wasn't exactly how I wanted it. And so I have, I have a couple more. I have, y'all guys are not, you've been nice to me, I'm just say it. I think I have what is the worst paranormal investigation ever Recording. Oh man, I thought I've been on a few of those. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say he's apparently watched nothing you've done. <laughs> nah, that's because I, think I, don't, I, don't, I haven't done any of that stuff. But yeah, and and that's my. Um, I'm gonna do a couple of horror movies. Uh, I just I, I have a friend of mine that's a hip hop artist. He, we just spent the day uh, to, together yesterday outlining a script. Um, uh, it's a it's a hip hop artist called Petey Pablo. He's 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 basically put North Carolina on the map. Uh, we're doing a horror movie together, and I'm doing a horror movie, uh, actual horror movie with uh, Felissa Rose. We're working on a script too. It's um, the the future when you talk about the paranormal. A lot of people are watching Balsam. When I say watching, a lot of production companies are watching Balsam to see if this is financially viable because the rules of filmmaking are you got to have a name on there in order to sell. And when I pitched this, I said, okay, we take a horror icon who's not easily scared, that has experience in the paranormal and put him in a film. He successfully sells horror movies, can, can and will people support this? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's the that's the question, you know. If we could do this, then I could pretty much do any paranormal movie I 
we'd want to. And when I say we, we the community, because when you go to pitch a movie, they're going to pull up awesome and they're going to be like, did this thing sell? And if it didn't, they're going to be, like, we don't want a paranormal movie. Yeah. I think too, Tony, um, God, there's so much I want to say to you. I, I think, uh, I think too, the target audience is very important. Um, because nothing is going to change the audience that is the audience for the ghost adventurers. Okay. You know, that, that audience is not us. There is an entire demographic out there, entire audience. That's the Ricks and Stevens. These, these guys who have been investigating since the nineties, these guys that want to see it, how it's really done, not an episode of Scooby-Doo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of that, I think you'll probably get a lot of flack from, from the Zachites, you know, going into your, your documentary that, cause that's not what they perceive paranormal investigating as they perceive it as what they see on TV, but people like Rick and I, and there, there's a huge demographic of us out there. The veteran investigators know what you're doing is good. And to keep and I, and I get the idea of having that that draw with like Kane Hodder. Like if you would get Bruce Campbell to do this, dude, you couldn't keep me away. I'd pay you to let me do it. <laughs> I would be there in a second, you know. But um, secondly, uh, I wanted to say if you ever, because I live in North Carolina, um, if you uh, two things, if you ever need any kind of paranormal equipment, man. You are more than welcome to borrow. I've got everything there is and even shit I have made myself. So if you ever have a hard time getting, you said you had a hard time getting a hold of an ovulus. Um, if you ever need anything, man, you know, you can use it. It's not, not a problem. Um, there was a third thing. Oh, and if down the road you do get to where you want to do another paranormal documentary. Okay. I can point you in the direction and get you into doors uh, of places that will not disappoint. Like that, that's just going to blow your fucking mind. And I think Rick knows. Yeah, Steven has the hookup, man. He's got the hookup. That's amazing. And that's one of the things that I found that it's, it's in every community. It's in the horror community. It's in the paranormal community. It's very, and I don't understand it, uh, but it is what it is, is people, will people get in a team and they say it's my team against the world it seems like and they'll go to a location and they they will lock this location down and they think that they're going to get i don't know what they think to be honest with you i had a lot of locations that one wouldn't let me in unless i could promise them that i would give them get them a, a, a ghost adventures result and the only agreements that i make with people is I just want to come and film, and if I get something, we have a we have a, a movie. If I don't get nothing, we don't have a movie. Um, I'm never going to say this place isn't haunted or that place isn't haunted because I'm not the definitive person that's talking to spirits. It just might not be active that day that I'm there. But it's it's we got to stop being so clickish, and we got to be welcoming to mm. anybody, uh, whether it's your first time. At, investigating or people have been investigating 50 years i could not be an investigator i've 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 forwarded so many messages since balsam's come out of people wanting uh paranormal help 
And I, I, I can't give them that help because one, I don't, that's not my calling. My calling is filmmaking and documenting, but two, it's a scary thing when you sit there in the dark or just not even being in the dark when you're at a location that something is going on. It's, it's, it's just very uncomfortable. I mean, we, we, it's no secret. You can see it in the trailer. Our goal, I had no agenda when we brought Kane to Boston other than let's follow him around and see what happens. I know Kane. Kane is not a Zach Bagan type of person that's going to run and be scared. Kane has a No, rule. he certainly does not seem that way. No, he has a rule. His rule is if you run, you're done. Me, my rule is if I can't see it, I'm running. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I can't fight. I can't fight whatever it is that, that does something that I can't see. Um, so I, I'm man enough to say I run, but Kane, on the other hand, he doesn't do that. So that opens the, we had no agenda of, Oh, can we get Kane this, this, and this? We just went in and filmed it. And what happened just blew my mind. I mean, the messages he got blew my mind. Well, I tell yeah. you, you, you said something, Tony, that because um, we don't want to spoil the, the documentary, but uh, some locations won't let you in unless you follow their stipulations. That's because they're protect, protecting their investment. People like the three of us sitting here, they are scared to death of people like us because we might go in there <laughs> and prove it all wrong. And then their investment just went down. You know, their ghost tours just went down because people went in there and completely right. discredited. And, and I've actually, I know of two locations that Ghost Adventures has tried year after year to get into. And these are locations that I investigate. And they won't allow, it's kind of the fl the other side of the coin. They won't allow Ghost Adventures in there because they know what Ghost Adventures is going to do. And they want nothing but honesty to come out of their haunting. So you, you kind of got both there, you know, but. Yeah, I know exactly what your what your jam is, man. And and my thing too, as a distributor, if people are out there listening to this and they have completed projects and they want to get the word out there, I have no problem helping. Um, you know, they can hit me up on h13media.com or you know, find find the Balsam of Paranormal Investigation Facebook page and message me there. I believe that. You know, I'll give you an example. Voodoo, V-U-D-U, owned by Fandango, has 60 million subscribers. That's enough for a large number of us in the community of filmmaking to make us a significant amount of money and all be successful. We don't have to cut each other's throat. We don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, treat each other a certain way. Teamwork makes the dream work is what we used to say in the Marine Corps. Um, and, I, and, I, and I truly believe that. A lot of people frown on me for saying that, but I'm an East Coast person, not a Hollywood person. And anybody that's worked in Hollywood knows that there's a huge, a huge difference. And in North Carolina, unfortunately, you see it probably too, Stephen. There's certain areas in North Carolina that think they're Hollywood and they're not. Um, you know, but my success, I always tell people, my success doesn't depend on somebody else's failing and somebody else's success shouldn't depend on me failing. So if we all work together, it, it can really further and kind of take this back from, you know, I don't, I don't, from, I enjoy Zach Baggins. And then when I say take it back from Vega, I, it's really take it back from the discovery channel 
that the Discovery Channel's made a huge financial commitment to defining what paranormal entertainment is. And their idea mm -hmm. of it is hiring people from reality TV. There's no specializations. And what I'm aiming to specialize in is producing paranormal content. And I don't believe that you can apply the same principles to Hollywood filmmaking as you can to filming a paranormal investigation. It's a unique animal. It's almost like filming in a combat zone. That's the that's the only thing I can compare. It that's to. funny you say that because I, I used to and I think Rick can remembers this. I used to refer it to it as guerrilla style filmmaking. And I, yeah. that's that keeps it honest, you know. Yep. And I give you an example. I filmed something where I mic'd up the camera, mic'd up people. And I end up using footage, the, the, the audio off the camera. And a lot of people are like, why do you use the audio off the camera? It's because when you're in a haunted location, I've, I was reviewing some footage the other day that the camera was just rolling and I captured a voice that I knew nobody was in there. It is just because I used the onboard camera mic. Um, and that's what I'm finding. And that's what kind of freaks me out is people can put a voice recorder in a room and not get nothing and they're saying oh that's the session that's whatever but i'll just set a camera up and even though and the reason i set the camera up is so that i could see that nobody walked in the room but some of these locations you can catch some amazing stuff uh just it, it's, it's just freaky and what you know from north carolina north carolina's got a lot of freaky places that are here that's very questionable but it's just either, you know, this is the Bible Belt. And a lot of people, unfortunately, think paranormal investigating is of the devil. And, mm. you know, I believe I believe I believe this for all the people that are very religious that say no uh, and are against paranormal is I say, well, if you could prove that there is something paranormal out there, then that helps people as Christians understand that, that there can be a God, you know, that proves that there's life beyond what we know. So I don't understand why they're against it, but here a lot of people are very, are very much. So it's very taboo. Yeah. I've always said the Bible is the greatest paranormal book ever written, you know? So Rick, where's your line? Yes. Here comes your line. Was so Tony, we have come to the point in the show that we like to call shameless self-promotion. So in shameless self-promotion, what you do is you tell everybody where they can find you, what they can find about you, websites, social media, videos, anything, and go. Uh, just go to h13media.com. Um, there you can find behind, both behind the sightings and balsam. I encourage everybody to watch Balsam. A lot of people in the paranormal community don't watch paranormal documentaries <laughs> because of what they see on TV. I just asked you to give me a chance and take a look at it. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at, at what you'll find. If you want a real paranormal investigation experience where we don't have a, an agenda of running around screaming in the dark with a lot of cameras throwing at the ceiling and the ground and that, you know, demons and all that crazy shit stuff you see on tv you want something legitimate watch balsam very good all right well thank you so much tony for joining us here on the shadow initiative paranormal talk you know like i said before and i'll say it again very refreshing take on all of this 
Um, thank you. And, you know, on behalf of both Stephen and I, we wish you nothing but the best in the future. Yes, sir. It was, it was a pleasure talking with you, Tony. Thank you. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is now available on iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. To contact the hosts, visit www.shadowinitiativetv.com or email them at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. My wife wants me to make sure that I say this, that the new title for our show should be Two Nerds with a Microphone. Oh, I'm glad you actually said that. Uh, somebody wanted us to say something as well. Um, our friend Terry Koenig's father isn't doing too well. Oh, um, no. it's, yeah, it's a cancer type situation And he asked if we could just right. put out good vibes Over the air uh, So Terry, we'll we're do. thinking about you, man And yeah. we hope your father's surgery goes great Yeah um, We uh, Everybody's been touched by cancer, man So, yeah, I really hope for the best And now, this week's Ghost Watch According to International Health Racket and Sports Club Association Nearly one in five Americans will spend hundreds of dollars a year on health club memberships and thousands of dollars on fad diets and dietary supplements in the quest to lose weight and be healthy. On the campus of Chicago's Loyola University, you can find the Edgewater Athletic Club, one of Chicago's oldest establishments for fitness. There, you have your choice of any number of fitness plans to get yourself in the ideal shape. However, among the music, workout machines, and sweaty bodies, the Edgewater Athletic Club has something other fitness clubs do not, a history of both ghosts and hauntings. Before the Edgewater Athletic Club became one of the top 10 gyms in Chicago, it was a luxurious sovereign hotel. The hotel was built in the early 1920s and was considered to be the grandest hotel in Chicago at the time. Not only was it known for its world-class hospitality, it was also known for its stunning views of both the lake and the Chicago skyline. In the early days, the Sovereign Hotel was world famous and attracted the crown heads of Europe to its door. The King of Denmark was a frequent guest, as well as King Edward VIII, who presented the hotel with two ornate faces. Iconic silent film actor Charlie Chaplin resided in the hotel for a short time and Chicago's own crime prince of crime, Al Capone, was known to keep a room at the Sovereign. Unfortunately, the heyday of it being the Windy City's most fabulous hotel came to an end in 1949, when it was sold and converted into apartments. Gone was the royalty and the Hollywood icons that once graced its halls. Although those days are long since past, the building has retained some of that historical memory with the many ghosts said to haunt the gym and the apartments. And whoever these ghosts are, they seem to focus much of their attention on the athletic club. Upon entering the main entrance, visitors and members are greeted by an eerie photo of the staff of the Sovereign Hotel. People have remarked that the picture seems to possess a life of its own, and the long-dead employees appear to be following people with their eyes. This may seem a bit creepy, 
but more paranormal activity has been observed in the gym. According to the employees, the ghosts that inhabit the club seem to delight in using the equipment. Employees that are working alone have heard the unmistakable sound of someone working over the punching bag. When they go to investigate, all they find is a darkened room and a slightly swaying bag. A commonly accepted theory by paranormal investigators is that ghosts can somehow manipulate the temperature in a room, possibly as a means to manifest. In certain areas of the club, members and employees have reported inexplicable temperature fluctuations. A room might go from icy cold to unbearably hot in just a matter of seconds. Sometimes these radical fluctuations are accompanied by the creepy sensation of some unseen person watching them from the shadows. A stairwell that leads from the gym to the apartments have been the site of intense paranormal phenomena. A legend states a Loyola student learned that he was failing his classes and rather than bring shame to his family, the student hung himself in the stairwell. A promising young life cut short due to the overwhelming pressure to succeed. Whether or not there is any truth to the story of this tragic suicide is, of course, debatable. What isn't debatable is something strange is going on in that stairwell. People using the stairs have reported the sounds of footsteps when no one else is present. And others have reported the feeling of a cold wind rushing past them. Visiting paranormal investigators have only added to the story by recording fluctuations in the electromagnetic field, convincing them a ghost does indeed haunt the stairwell. Since converting the old hotel into apartments and an athletic club, not much of the old hotel remains, except for the grand ballroom. Apparitions of women in elegant gowns and men in smart tuxedos have been witnessed dancing in the ballroom. Others have reported the sound of jazz music, laughter, and the sounds of champagne glasses clinking together. When someone enters the room, all the spectral noises cease, and the room returns to being empty and quiet. The ghosts of the Edgewater Athletic Club appear to be nothing more than an echo of the days long since past and gone. If you're lucky, you may just catch a glimpse of one of their spirits while swimming or lifting weights. I'm Rick Hale, and this has been Ghostwatch. Fantastic. What a unique story. You don't really hear much about a a fitness location, you know, a health 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 place being haunted. You really don't. Um, and I think it's because there's so much that's going on there. I mean, I I go I go to a gym regularly and there's always music or you have your headphones on, you know, you have all this sounds from, you know, people working out and the machines and everything. So it's like you're not really tuned in to um to anything ghostly that's going on but yeah the the edgewater it's a um it's not the easiest club to get into and it can be very expensive but i know people who have worked out there and they will tell you this place is haunted all right rick man fantastic show fantastic documentary <laughs> fantastic guest fantastic talk yeah. a lot of passion in tony's voice man there's a lot of heart there i i, I hope to see him uh, greatly succeed with what he wants to do. Yeah, me too. I really like Tony. It's his his take on this is very refreshing, and I like how he puts it. I am not a paranormal investigator. I am a filmmaker. That mm-hmm. really just lends so much more credibility to what it is that he's trying to do. 
And look, everybody at home, you guys can check us out on Facebook.com slash Welcome to the Initiative. And of course, anywhere podcasts are available. And we want you all to have a very safe and happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Whatever you believe, just enjoy it to its fullest, man. Yeah, and have you know, and, and, and it really is. It's it's not about gifts and bright lights. It's about spending time with family and being with the ones that you love. Exactly, and watching Die Hard for like the three hundredth time. Uh, I haven't even watched it yet this what? year. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. So, I know, seriously, it is not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Tower. You disappoint me, Rick. The show was going I'm great. S- it was going great, man, and you just had to do that. I'm I I I am ashamed, but I will be watching it. I assure you. Okay, cool. Well, guys, we will see you next week with another episode of Shadow Initiative: Paranormal Talk with Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. So, have a great one. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>